Hello listener, they said it would never happen. Back from abeyance, rescued from retirement, dragged out of dormancy. It's the all-new mid-season, pre-season or post-season, God only knows, black and white noise. I'm Stephen Dunkerley. I'm joined by my co-host, technical genius and all-round pars legend, all the way from the west side of Edinburgh, it's Michael Thomas. Hello, Michael. Hello there, Stephen. How are you doing? I'm very good. I'm very good. That's the two stars of the show out of the way. Our support cast today comprises of Ross MacArthur, club chairman, Andrew Main, supporters liaison officer and club director. Hello, Ross. Hi, Stephen. How are you doing? Pleased to be with you. Yes, I'm doing fine, thanks. Andrew, how are you? Hi, good, Stephen. Good to be here. Great stuff. So just to assure you all, we're taking the guidelines very seriously. I'm talking from my in-house office here in Dulwich. Drew is just a short run up the road. Michael's across the water. And Ross, I think you're somewhere in Clackmannanshire, is that right? Uh, yeah, uh, dollar, yeah, uh, with an FK postcode, believe it or not. Shocking, isn't it? <laughs> we'll add that to agenda now that I've heard that. Uh, we're all brought together by the medium of Zoom, although other online virtual meeting options are available. And before we start, we've got some devastating news. Uh, our friend and fellow black and white contributor, Jordan Burt, sadly lost his fiancée, Shannon Napier, a few days ago. She tragically died in the early hours of Saturday, the 25th of April, shortly after giving birth to her baby daughter, Abby. She was only 24 years old. A mere words spoken into the microphone of a laptop seem pretty hollow, to be honest. Burt is a huge member of the Pars family with his work on the podcast and on Pars TV. The Just Giving page organised by Shannon's fellow students from our university. Uh, it was set up to establish a memorial and a hamper for the baby, and the initial target was £500. 48 hours after it was set up, the total was sitting at £15,000, with nearly 700 people having contributed. Uh, this speaks volumes about the impact Shannon had on people's lives and the love the PARS community have for Jordan. And I know I speak for everyone involved with Unfirm Athletic when I say that all our thoughts are with Shannon's family, her friends, her colleagues, and of course, Jordan and Abby. Now, it seems rather trivial to move on to this, but we are here to talk about the current situation with Scottish football and its response to the COVID-19 inspired lockdown. Now for full transparency, because we announced it on the forums, we're recording on the 28th of April. We also have recorded on the 31st of March, but due to the fast moving pace regarding the story at the end of the season, a lot of what we said quickly became quite irrelevant. Michael assures me that he'll expertly mix it all together and says it will sound absolutely perfect. So thanks for that, Michael. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, with the, sensitive, the sensitivities of the current climate in mind, we've got to tread pretty carefully. But the, the first thing I was going to ask, Ross, uh, it's well known that you're one of the six members of the SPL board. Uh, and that board came up with a proposal to end the season based on the average points. What brought you to the conclusion that this was the way forward? Yeah, it's, it's been quite a long process, uh, Stephen. There's been a lot of information that we've had to gather, um, you know, from um, the, the, the government side, uh, from the medical authorities, uh, UEFA um, had obviously put in their, um, their, their piece as well. Uh, and we, we had to look at the, the practicalities of where we were at the moment. Uh, everybody could see the horrendous picture that's emerging in the country. Thousands of people uh, are losing their life. Um, the NHS is doing an absolutely fantastic job of um, looking after everybody, but there's huge uh, strain on, their, uh, on a lot of emergency services at the moment. 
So the idea of playing um, you know, football matches any time soon uh, was becoming uh, rather uh, irrelevant. So it became clear that there was no uh, logical way that we could really play out the rest of this season. Uh, and we, we really had to um, focus our energies on um, next season, trying to get next season up and running uh, you know, when we can and, and as safely as we can. Um, and that's not without its difficulties as well. So in, in coming to an end in the season, uh, we, we had to we had to look at some form of me mechanism, uh, you know, to draw the season to a close. Uh, all the divisions had played in excess of seventy-five percent of the games program, so it wasn't as if uh, you know it was only five or ten percent of the games. So uh, you know, most of the leagues had formed um, a, a shape um, naturally. There are clubs that are going to be disadvantaged. Um, when, whenever you make a, a, a decisive uh, decision, there will, there will be uh, cl um, uh, clubs who, who will be affected, and you know I sympathise with them all. Our own club was affected, and you know we we dropped from uh, fifth position down to sixth position, um, and it's not just the, the, the final standing that has an impact financially. But we, we, we had to you know, uh, you know, take that with, with dignity and humility and, um, and accept there's, there's, there's bigger issues in the country at the moment. So in terms of establishing um, the finishing point, um, you know, we, we looked at four or five different models. And the fairest way that we, we, we felt we could do it would be an average points uh, system so that every single club in each division had played the same amount of games. Our growth, as it turned out, had a couple of games in hand on us, um, so that's why we had fallen from fifth to sixth. So it, there, there were a number of different variables, and that's what we thought was the fairest way um, of, of getting uh, to that point. It's a point worth making. Obviously, the, the fans' forums at a time like these can be uh, quite evocative, shall we say. And I had heard it said that we'd voted you know, purely in self-interest. I guess the counter argument of that is that we're we're actually one of the few clubs that actually loses out. We might be the only one that's actually dropped to position. Yeah, uh, ourselves and Hibs were the only two clubs in Scottish football that um, dropped a position because of that, and obviously it took a, a financial hit. Um, but you know the the the, the Dunfermline Athletic Board um, took the unanimous view that you know we we had to do the what's right for the best interests of Scottish football, uh, and the fact. If that meant that we were slightly disadvantaged, then, then so be it. Um, you're, you're never going to have a, you're never going to come out with a suitable compromise that keeps everybody happy. Um, so you, you, you just have to do what's right um, and you know, listen to all the facts that are put in front of you and make an informed decision. Um, and that's what we did as a board. I'll bring Drew in, in here nicely as well because I was just going to confirm that it was a unanimous board decision, Drew. Uh, absolutely, yeah, it was. When you um, when you find out uh, what, as Ross says, what all the what all the facts are, uh, and you look at the the bigger picture, which is Scottish football, um, there there clearly isn't going to be a solution that that suits everyone. And I think the the fact that uh, uh, over eighty percent of the of the forty two clubs um, thought that the resolution was a good one, um, I, I'm struggling to think that you might have got more than that. Uh, to agree, so um, yeah, that, that clearly there's going to be those clubs that are disadvantaged, and uh, and uh, and you, you, sympathy goes out to them. But um, but I, I think it was the right thing to do. 
I think I think your average Pars fans probably. I was going to say an optimist, shall we? But let, let's just say, looking at the league table, the thought might have been uh, that we would be more likely to hit the promotion playoffs than the relegation playoffs. So uh, we we are kind of giving up the chance to achieve something this season for you know what you what you say is the greater good. Yeah, I think um, we'd actually um, gone on a, a fairly uh, decent run the last three or four games. It, it seems that long ago now. Um, but we were, you know, we were we were on a, a bit of an unbeaten run, albeit there was a couple of draws in there. But um, yeah, I had no reason to doubt that we couldn't uh, continue and, and get into those promotion playoffs. But but um, but the decisions had to be made, and and uh, and that's what and that's what we did. Okay, and the other thing I was going to touch on. So the the immediate decision was to end the lower leagues. And the Premier League still have a bit more time to to see if they can come up with something different. What was the thinking behind that? Yeah, well, that that's not quite the case. I mean, basically, what um, uh, what happened was UEFA um, after uh, Belgium uh, had um, called their league season to to to, a, to an end and appointed Club Bruges as the champions. Um, the, the intention of the SPFL was to try and do something that covered all four divisions. Um, but when UEFA um, uh, saw that the, the Belgians had adopted that approach, they wrote to all the national associations uh, you know, w- with a letter basically saying, you know, we reserve the right, if you call your season early, uh, not to allow your clubs to qualify for European competitions next year. So we had to take that seriously. And uh, the SPFL executive had been liaison uh, with... Um, uh, UEFA for the last few weeks um, and there's obviously that, that's ongoing at the moment I'm, I'm aware of where that stands at the moment but obviously I can't say um, so the idea would be to try and do all four divisions at the same time uh, but that wasn't going to be practical so what we had to do is we had to identify a, a, a solution and a way of uh, eventually bringing all divisions uh, to uh, a close on the same principles but the lower division clubs um, needed the, um, the additional revenue from the um, central distribution funds. So that had to go out uh, um, as soon as possible. Um, so by calling the three lower divisions to an end, it allowed the SPFL to get the, the distribution money out to all the clubs within 24 hours. Um, but the principle of how the Premier Division, um, um, when the games programme comes uh, to an end, uh, will will be uh, done on the same basis, um, and we're really at this stage we're waiting on UEFA, um, you know, uh, highlighting as they've actually done today to say that all league programmes have to finish by the twenty fifth of May. So there, there'll come a point in the, the immediate future when the Premier Division will will follow the same way. Um, so what we couldn't risk is uh, UEFA turning around um, and saying. Okay, we acknowledge that you've you've called the the Premier Division in Scotland, but uh, by the way, um, the top four clubs in that division can qualify for UEFA competitions next year. Um, I mean, Celtic, for example, the the revenue that they you know if, if they qualify for the Champions League, the, the revenue that they can make from that uh, puts into what they can make in terms of Scottish football, you know, into uh, insignificance. So we we can't risk. Um, uh, that and obviously Rangers and Celtic have done particularly well this year um, <clears throat> in progressing through the uh, Europa League, which adds to the 
coefficient of all of, of the of, of Scotland. Um, and that helps us in terms of getting more clubs into Europe. There's a new um, third European competition coming in a few years' time. Um, and we cannot risk um, you know, Scottish clubs not participating in um, you know, the European competitions. So that, that was the complication behind the, the Premier Division being called at the same time. Okay. I, I, I didn't hear that from UEFA. My, my wife told me about 20 minutes before I was about to come on that there'd been something about the 25th of May and I better research it. So <laughs> very helpful from them. But they, they seem to be hinting that, yes, it's fine to uh, stop your league, but you just need to inform them in writing of what the reason is. Uh, that was my understanding of what I read very briefly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, Stephen, if, you, if you've got a situation where we've got in Scotland at the moment where the government are saying that um, we're in a state of emergency to at least the 10th of June, now that, that was at the time of the last uh, lockdown, now that, that's going to get, you know, undoubtedly that's going to get readdressed and it'll probably be extended. So we're in a state of emergency, um, you know, playing football matches isn't going to happen anytime soon. Um, you know, and all, all these facts have been put to, to UEFA. Um, and they understand that if you get an edict from government to say you can't play, there's not a lot UEFA can do, really. Uh, it certainly seems that we're, in Scotland, are perhaps going to be the last ones in the UK to, to start playing football again. Looks like England might uh, take a slightly different view of it. But like you're saying, it's coming from the Scottish government rather than the UK government. Yeah, and the, the thing is, again, we're not trying not to stray into uh, dangerous territory, but... If you, if you think of the big, the, the big five leagues in Europe, the TV money, the commercial revenue is enormous. Um, so, you know, the, the impact of leagues not finishing um, and the TV companies recalling some of that TV money, it would decimate these leagues. So they, they obviously need, the, the, there's a greater need for them to complete the season. Um, and you know, retain that revenue than, than there might be for other countries who don't have that, um, that, that um, same revenue coming into the game. Now, to give you an example, the English Premier League are, are stating that they're trying to get their uh, games programme up and running again sometime soon. Um, and they'll play that play behind closed doors. But they're spending £2 million on testing players. Now, that's just on testing because they've got that revenue. Scottish football can't afford that. We, we don't have that scale to you know, put aside £2 million to start testing players. We can't do that. You know, it's the viability for us as a small nation um, to, um, to go to these types of lengths to get football up and running again. We can't do that. Okay, uh, well, we'll move off one contentious issue to something that unites everyone, and we'll have a wee chat about reconstruction. Now, this was obviously going to be a, a topic that was addressed once we made the decision to close the leagues. It, it sounds like what they're trying to do, and I guess this is fair, is come up with a solution where the successful clubs this season are being, uh, they're being rewarded and the, the ones who are maybe at the bottoms of the league but still with a chance of getting out of it aren't going to be as affected. Where do we think that's going to go? Well... In, in terms of, yeah, I mean, I, you know, in terms of the, the information that I, that I know, um, the resolution that was passed that Drew quite early said got over 80% of the, uh, the club's votes, 
there, there was always, always an undertaking uh, within that that there would be a debate afterwards on reconstruction. Um, now, reconstruction is always a difficult subject because everybody has their own uh, views of this and, you know, ultimately people will say, for example, they may well have the, the, the good of the game at heart, but the self-interest comes into it. Um, so at the moment, there's a task force that's been set up that's been chaired by um, Les Gray, who's on the SPFL board with me. I've known Les for 30 years, a very good friend, very, very honest, um, straight-laced person. Um, he doesn't suffer fools gladly. Les is an ideal person to task that because it will be challenging. Um, and what Les is trying to do through, I think there's uh, 15 people on the group, uh, including the Highland League and the Lowland League, um, is trying you know, get a broad uh, brush from everybody in terms of their thoughts and bring that into you know, two probably preferred solutions that would then go in front of all the clubs to vote on. Um, but the, one of the, um, the challenges there is the, the voting threshold uh, that you need to um, obtain to get that uh, through is very, very high. You need 11 clubs in the Premier Division to vote in favour of it. Um, and you need 75% in the, the, the Championship League 1 and League 2. So it's a high threshold to, to, to get to. Um, and inevitably, what, what happens is you get, um, uh, you know, as much that people say, you know, let's keep the, the workings of the group in confidence and don't, you know, go to the media, you can see already things are breaking out and you know, people are forming their own views. Um, it, as a club, we, we would be in favour of reconstruction, particularly a, a bigger Premier Division, because at the end of the day, it increases our chances of getting back to where, where we think we should be, which is the, the Premier League. Um, so we, we would be in favour of that. Um, Drew knows that as a board, we've, we've had discussions already around what, what our... Um, thoughts would be on that, but until the, the, the group actually comes up with a, a preferred solution, um, and I think it also has to be something that's ultimately going to get a chance of uh, um, passing, because there's no point putting something out there that is just going to get uh, voted uh, out straight away. It needs to be something with a real, realistic chance of uh, get, getting passed uh, through. So it, it's a it's, it's really challenging. Um, I, I wouldn't like to speculate in terms of the chances of that happening or not happening, if I'm being honest, because uh, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to achieve. And then at the same time, what, what you've also got to do is um, separate out reconstruction from the redistribution of income down the divisions as well, because a lot of people have thought, well, as part of this debate, let's... Um, uh, uh, look at a completely different distri financial distribution model within Scottish football at the same time as doing reconstruction. Well, that now is not the time to do it. We're, we're in the midst of a, 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 a crisis uh, that we don't know when we're going to get out of this. Every club in the country, even the biggest clubs, uh, are, are suffering badly. Um, you know, they may well have more cash in the bank, but their wage bills are higher. Um, you know, their commitments are higher. So every club in the country is uh, struggling at the moment. So we, we have to put that to one side and just look at this purely from um, the point of view of reconstructing the leagues to, um, to, to get the, the best solution for Scottish football. And then, of course, you've got the, uh, an added issue of some clubs want a temporary solution um, and some clubs want a permanent solution. 
So that's something else to throw into the mix. So all in all, <laughs> it's a difficult task for Les to chair, I'm sure. I'll bring Michael and Drew in here. Do you think there's any chance of a temporary solution getting through? Do you think clubs would agree to something saying, well, we'll go for 14 teams in the top league, immediately drop into 12 the next year? It would strike me as something that a, a club just, or, or the clubs coming up the way wouldn't be delighted to uh, take on because it gives them more chance of just coming straight back down. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. It, it, something like that seems unlikely. It was to get through the 11 to 1 requirement. You only, you only need Hamilton to sit there and, or, or whoever just to, to say no and then, and then that's it. If it's a more permanent solution, then yeah, I could see, I could see it squeaking through. But yeah, I suppose the question for me is why would the other why why would the, the clubs currently in the Premier League want reconstruction? I'm not I'm not sure what um, the incentive for them to, to change is, but I, I mean I'm obviously I'm not I'm not privy to the discussions at that level, but um, I'm not really sure what the incentive for them would be to do that. Um, from from my point of view, um, as as Ross says, we had we had this discussion uh, at board level, and uh, again we were unanimous in in accepting that. Uh, a reconstructed Premier League would certainly uh, be of a, a, a benefit, we would hope, in the longer term uh, for our own club. Um, my own personal view is um, I wouldn't particularly like it to be a temporary measure. Um, I think that's a, a bit of a stick and plaster approach, but um, I would prefer it to be uh, more longer term. Just picking a random number, maybe 18 teams? I'd prefer that to 14. <laughs> well, 18 for a season anyway. <laughs> Anyway, what well, we'll we, we we touched upon the, the the challenges. We can maybe talk about how the par support and the club in general have, have handled the crisis uh, as our own individual club. I believe now that we've furloughed our staff, but we've committed to topping up their wages, so nobody's nobody's losing out. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, the, the situation at the moment is. Um, We've um, looked at every available scheme that we uh, we can to uh, that we can utilise to help the club um, in terms of grants that are available. Um, we've obviously it's been well documented that we shut down the club a number of weeks ago, uh, cut things right back, um, basically shut off all the utilities to keep the you know obviously apart from anything else to cut costs, but also to keep everybody safe and um, all the volunteers and the staff. Um, that, um, that are in and around the club. We have a small number of staff working from home at the moment who can keep the club uh, functioning. Um, our our um, ground staff um, are, are in now and again to um, make sure that the, um, that the pitch is in good order and things like that. Um, and we took the decision to take advantage um, uh, you know, of the furloughing scheme um, when that first uh, came out, which was originally for uh, March and April. Um, so our staff were furloughed from the 13th of, the players were from the 13th of March, which was the day the SFA suspended the season. Uh, that's now been extended to June. So we, we, you know, that is a lifesaver for us, being, being frank about it. Clubs at our level, uh, that's, that's game changing. Um, Obviously, if you are at a club with bigger uh, a bigger wage bill, because it's capped at two and a half thousand pounds a month per employee, it's not quite as a big uh, opportunity as it is for us. So we've taken advantage of that, and uh, we we took the decision certainly up until the end of May. The commitment we've made to all staff was that 
you know, we would top up the, their, their salary. Um, obviously, a lot of the, the club staff have gone through the pain of administration previously and, you know, they worked really, really hard. Uh, and we felt morally as a board that, you know, we, we had to do that. Um, and I know Drew will want to talk about the support, uh, the PARS initiative, but we, we, we felt with the, also with the, uh, the, the, the money that the supporters were um, obviously um, you know, rallying behind the club magnificently and raising the capital. Um, I think it, it would send out a wrong message if, if we weren't then paying the staff in full. Um, so that, that was the decision that the, the board um, uh, took. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been difficult. There's a lot of different things um, <laughs> that, that have happened. Um, the chat, <laughs> just one challenge after another, to be honest with you. Uh, but you, you just got to... Um, just keep calm, um, you know, and collected, and take every every day at a time at the moment because things change all the time. You know, the, the chancellor announced something different uh, uh, last night, but we we can't take advantage of it. You just got to keep your eyes and ears opened, and um, you know, look what's out there um, and see what's happening in terms of the the, the landscape. Um, but yeah, we've taken a lot of preventative measures pretty early. Yeah, that's good to hear. I'll bring Drew in here as well because it was going to talk about support of the PARS. Obviously, there was an initial target of 40,000. It seemed to be that was before the furlough scheme was uh, rolled out or even introduced by the government. And that was with the aim of getting us through a couple of months. And it now looks like the whole situation will probably last longer in a couple of months. But with the furlough scheme, we're obviously only having to find 20% top up. So... There's not even a question in there, Drew, so I'll start one. Where are we sitting at the moment with regards to the 40,000? I believe we've exceeded it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, remarkably, in uh, what I think is an incredibly short space of time, um, we had got to uh, the 40,000 target. Like you say, that was uh, earmarked to get us through uh, April and May. Um, we then... We're at a point when, uh, I think Ross touched on it earlier, the Scottish football announced that there would be uh, no football played uh, until at least the 10th of June. Um, coupled with that, we were getting to a point where we might ordinarily be trying to sell season tickets uh, and there would be income from that. We would be looking perhaps towards a point where we could start selling replica kit, which we're unable to do with the, the, the shop being uh, it closed still. Uh, and then obviously, uh, once the resolution was passed and we found ourselves uh, moved down a, a place in the league with the impact that had on prize money, all of those things together suggested that we maybe should be looking for uh, a top up to that original target, which would get us through June. So that was why we, we moved on to, to 50,000 as the target. Last weekend, we announced that we had uh, reached 45,000 um, and it, it just it continues to amaze me that the, the generosity of uh, of the PARS fans um, and I, I'm pretty confident that uh, that the 50,000 is, is not too far away um, so uh, an, an incredible achievement. And is that just from donations Drew? Because I know there's other fundraising. I know Kenny McLaughlin's doing things. Uh, I saw something about Owen Fawn Williams and his paintings. Obviously, Parts, Parts TV are, are doing their bit as well. So is, is the 45,000 plus, is that just from donations or is that everything combined? 
that that's everything combined. So that so we have we have um, online bank transfers uh, into a bank account. We have a Just Giving page, which has uh, got over nineteen thousand in it. We've got um, like you say, we've got uh, Kenny McLaughlin on .net doing uh, auctions of uh, various memorabilia. Um, uh, Pars TV uh, have have donated. Um, there's also, uh, yeah, like you said, the Owen Fawn Williams painting. Uh, that was absolutely outstanding. That that brought in £3,000, just that one wow. particular initiative. Uh, completely remarkable. Um, so, yeah, all, all of all of those income streams is, is getting us to the total where we're at today. So what you're saying then, Drew, is you need uh, Owen to paint two more paintings and we're sorted. <laughs> Maybe one would do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it speaks volumes for the... The inclusiveness of the club, or, or the the general atmosphere around it. He's a, he's a lone player. He's played a handful of games, and and he's done that to, to help raise money for us. I think that's right. I, I've spoke I spoke to him a, a few times when that uh, when that auction was was going on, and he he was he was uh, really keen to to keep tabs on on what was happening, and and uh, he, he got quite into it, and and was absolutely blown away by the by the interest, and you could tell just from. From the few conversations that I've had with him, uh, how much he's enjoyed it uh, at Dunfermline, how much he recognises the way that the clubs run and the the, the sort of uh, effort that people put in behind the scenes, um, and it's really uh, it, it was really heartening to, to to hear someone who, like you say, has only been at the club for a a couple of months uh, to have that um, to have that opinion. You brought me on to the next and it's kind of last part of this. Uh, little section I was going to talk about was just how we keep the stadium and basically the the well you covered the, the the ground staff itself but the stadium itself how we keep that maintained when I know it's a lot of volunteers that that help out at East End Park. Uh, just wondering what the mechanisms are to let people come in and help with maintenance. Um, Stephen, if you don't mind, before I do that, can I just as chairman um, of the club just uh, reinforce what Drew's saying that um, the um, I, I, I'm really, I've said this before, I'm really humbled uh, that so many people have dug deep and you know, got behind the club yet again. Um, this has been supporter-led. Um, you know, the board didn't ask for this support. Um, it's been simply magnificent. And you, you, know, you see the things that you know, people are doing. You, know, you mentioned Kenny Owen. I mean, it was a fantastic painting that he, you know, that he, that he had uh, painted. Um, and the young young lad Lewis, who's um, you know do, doing his bit as well. There's just so many people doing fantastic things for the club, um, and that's after everything that we went through, you know, in the administration. So again, I, I just repeat again, I'm really thankful to everybody. Uh, and it and it you know you, you see the letters and the support that we get. It is truly humbling. So I, I just want to you know emphasise that again. In, t in terms of the stadium, we are in lockdown, so. You know, we no, nobody apart from uh, our uh, security staff are in the stadium and, and the ground staff. Um, and the, the base basis of pro processing uh, shop orders or picking up post, uh, we, we, we limit to that. So there's no maintenance as such of the stadium getting done at the moment, apart from the grass getting cut um, and security checks and different things like that. Um, we've got, I mean, it is a lockdown situation, so we've, we've got to. Um, you know, adhere to um, you know th these requirements, and I know. It, I mean, I, I think across society, everybody feels the same. I mean, what's this? A week six? Apple lost track of time now. 
Uh, I think it's week six we're in lockdown. We're all getting itchy feet. We want to get back to, to uh, some degree of normality, but we just have to keep enforcing the fact that the stadium's uh, locked down uh, and it will remain so until we, we can open it up safely. What, what we've got to do is we've got to be positive. Um, you know, we, 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 you know, there's certain things that need to work in our favour and there's certain things that we need to do, but we've got to be positive in terms of clubs that we, we can uh, navigate our way through this um, and, you know, um, start next season afresh. Um, it might well be that, you know, next season we're, we're going to have to make further cuts and do different things, uh, but there's no point speculating on that just now. Let's just get navigate our way through the next few months and uh, come out the other end, which I, I believe that we, we, we will do. And, and I'm indebted to the, the board that, that I've got um, in terms of the experience and the nous that I've, that I've got on the board. And they're all stepping up to the plate at this moment in time. Well, I was going to say, I, just to, before I move on to Drew's role as a supporters liaison officer, I, I think a lot of fans still have long memories about what happened in 2013. A lot of us realise we are still lucky to have a club and uh, it brings out the best in Pars fans. Uh, at times like these, we we know that it's a, if we can, there's a little push necessary to, to make sure the club keeps on going and keeps on moving forward. And uh, I think when with, with the makeup of the the club as it is the moment, the board and the fans' representation on the board, uh, it kind of helps bring us all together. Which brings me on to your role, Drew, as supporters liaison officer. Uh, first thing, when did you start this job and what was the theory behind the role when it was created? Uh Probably about three years ago, maybe the the role was created. So it was a it was an initiative an initiative that really started in in um, in mainland Europe. Um, uh, a lot of the Scandinavian uh, countries had taken it on board earlier than that, um, and the uh, organisation Supporters Direct Scotland, who are the kind of umbrella organisation for support the Supporters Trust movement, they uh, took it on board working with the Scottish FA and the SPFL. Uh, to uh, manage the, the 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 scheme, if if you like, um, so the the idea really is to provide a a means of communication between supporters and the board, uh, and and to give supporters a a voice to, to to let them be heard, to let their views be known, um, and that that that's kind of the main uh, thinking behind the behind the rule. Um, what what we've tried to do is uh, there's myself and, uh, and and my colleague Dave Blackburn um, who kind of share the role between us. Um, Dave sits in the in the northwest uh, on match days. He, he wears a, a purple high vis vest with SLO on it. The idea being that it's a, a, just just someone that you can identify, and if if supporters have any. Uh, any concerns or questions, and there's somebody that they can they can relay that to on a match day. If they would rather do that than than contact me via email or Twitter, then then they're able to do that. Um, so so that that that's kind of what we're trying to do is is give give a, a, a kind of communication uh, link uh, for the supporters. Uh, Drew, what made you the man to be uh, the supporters liaison officer? Were you the one that volunteered, or were you identified from a, a long shirtless? Uh, <laughs> wrong place at the wrong time, I think. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I think um, because of, of my role in the with the supporters trust and uh, obviously my role on the board, um, it, it, it seemed like a, a, a good fit to to have that communication stream. Um, 
So yeah, that 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 was really where it where it kind of came from. Uh, the, the ferals are doing this from home. I've just had someone cutting the grass outside. Now I've got the window cleaner. Apologies if there's any background noise. Uh, what are the major challenges with the role, Drew? Um, the, I suppose um, I suppose like all of these kind of things, um, it, it's not often uh, good news that people want to speak to me about. Um, so um, maybe a maybe a background in public relations might have might have been better customer services or something like that might have been more appropriate, but. Um, but but that's but that's good as well, you know. Um, that, that's exactly what you you know. If people have got a got a concern, then 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 that's that's that, that's fine, you know. That that's what that's what I'm I'm here to, to try and answer. Um, but as well as as well as responding to our own supporters, um, there's also there's also a link. There's a network of uh, of of SLOs across the country, and we have regular get-togethers, um, three or four a year. Uh, where we can, you know, we can share ideas, we can share experiences and 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 best practices, uh, and and that work that works well. And um, it also means that um, I have uh, SLO col- colleagues across the division that I can contact um, prior to maybe away games uh, to find out if there's a, a, any information that our fans should hear about before going to an away game. And um, that that that. Part of it is pretty much in its infancy and and needs to develop um, a wee bit more. But but we are I think we are slowly improving that side of it. Um, and it also gives an opportunity for um, I've actually had some a, a correspondence with our neighbours at East End Park who have had concerns uh, about um, what happens around their property on a match day, and that gives us an opportunity to maybe emphasise on our website and the programme uh, about certain things, just to remind fans to be uh, mindful of uh, of the community that, that, that we're in. I was going to ask you about your, your inbox and how it varies after a defeat and after a victory. <laughs> I, I suppose... Um, Occasionally, you you get some uh, some good suggestions about what the team formation should have been, um, but uh, no, it's, uh, <laughs> it's it's interesting. It's good, um, and 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 long may it continue. I, I I would I would urge more supporters to to use the facility, um, you know, um, in, instead of uh, banging away on the keyboard on a Saturday night on on a fans forum, drop me an email and. Um, and and if if I don't know the answer, I, I'll I'll probably know the person who does, um, and we'll try and get get something resolved and, and get an answer out as quickly as possible. Uh, Michael, confirm here. If you want to know what the formation should be, Rose Ed and the Nori is the place to be. We've got a, a <laughs> bundle of people and brains up there. <laughs> uh, so, well, speaking of defeats and, and, and victories, what we're going to do now is, is move on to our, our thoughts about the season that's just passed and, and just have a reflection about how well we've done. We basically went from the strategy we had the previous season into one where we, we went for maybe a younger, hungrier team that with maybe less of a cost base. Uh, how do we all think that's gone so far? Because the results have been fairly streaky, but we don't seem to be any worse off than we were this time last season. I'll bring Michael in. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think I think it's as you say, it's been streaky. Um, there's been there's been really good patches where you think, oh, here we go, we've got a team. And then there's been moments where it's kind of gone a wee bit wrong. But 
I think with a, a young team, you're going to get that. I, I don't think um, anyone is or should be surprised by that. Um, and I, I think they've, uh, they've done themselves proud uh, on the whole. And, and so there's been games where I felt we were very unlucky. Um, uh, the Inverness game springs to mind. I think overall, I'm reasonably satisfied when you take into account that the, the youth and the not not just the youth of the team, but how how many were brought in and how 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 uh, little experience they have playing with each other. They've done well, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm up until up until this all kicked off with coronavirus. I was uh, quite looking forward to next season. I, I I didn't think we would make the playoffs or we might get close, but yeah, I was certainly looking forward to next season, thinking yeah, we're gonna give this a go next year. So yeah, maybe 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 I'm just too optimistic, but it um, yeah. I think that's pretty good. If you call sitting in fifth with about eight games to go and think we'll not make the playoffs optimistic, that's fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Drew, I'll bring in you because every time we tend to speak, uh, we're on the back of either losing five games in a row or winning three games in a row. So it either looks like we're going for a relegation playoff or a promotion playoff. How as a board member do you sit down on a Monday morning or, or, or whenever as you chat and, and remain level throughout things like that? Um, well, it's difficult to remain level because at the end of the day, we're, we're all supporters. We're no different from from everybody else. You know, we all we always want to, to what's best for our team, um, and we all we, we all react the same way. Um, there's there's a number of times where we've had to see a Ross to to calm down in the director's box with the, the reactions that that he gives when decisions don't go our way. But um, uh, I I always I kind of look at the at the season. Um, on the, the the kind of number of memorable games that you that that, that we've had, and I mean, like last season, for instance, there there weren't there weren't a lot of memorable games that you can look back on. But this season, I know it's been uh, up and down, and uh, the form's been up and down, our league position's been up and down. But but I can th- I can think of uh, pr- probably five or six games off the top of my head that 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 were you know the, the memorable games to watch whether it was the first league game of the season against Dundee when we were extremely unlucky not to win that game live on the telly great atmosphere to the the performance at, away at, at Celtic um where we where we almost became the the first team in goodness knows how long to to beat them on their own patch um and then you've got the the, the comeback uh, to to be air three uh, two with that stunning volley from Ashcroft um, beating Dundee United at home at last, uh, beating Dundee recently as well. I, I mean, you can just you can kind of go on, you know. And and we, to be honest, I know most most uh, punters will, will, will uh, you know kind of lament the luck that they get over the course of the season. But I I honestly don't think that there there can be many teams who have been on the the end of some of the decisions that we've been on this season, uh, and uh, and 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 think that. I could all, all compensate in the end. I'm not sure about that. I thought that's what was going to happen when we were at Partick Thistle the other midweek there, and uh, we weren't in that game particularly well. Uh, scored a goal very much against the run of play, and I thought, oh, I, this is this is a, a wee bit of a turnaround. And no, it wasn't to be. Uh, a number of uh, situations conspired against us, and we end up with a point. So, um, no, I, th- I think. Uh, when I think back at the, at the the high points of the season, I think there's been a number of games to to look back on and, uh, and think we're doing not too badly. Two words, Drew. Louis Thou. Refs have always been, <laughs> they've always had they've always had it in for us. <laughs> you said it. 
maybe get the, the lawyers to check if that's all right. Um, Ross, I'll bring you in to a uh, right reply for Drew there. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with everything that Drew said there, apart from my behaviour in the director's box, because um, Drew needs to look himself in the mirror in terms of his own behaviour. But uh, anyway, we'll skirt around that particular issue. Um, no, I, I did say at the start of the season that you know we're, we're evolving the, the strategy of the club. We were looking to bring in a younger squad uh, and we, we were going to have uh, ups and downs. And that's exactly how the... Uh, the season's panned out. Um, obviously, you know, going five games without a win, or sorry, five games we've got beat, actually, um, that, that, that was a, a difficult set of circumstances. But I've got to credit Stevie and the coaching staff and, and Jackie as well uh, in terms of how they reacted to that. Um, and, you know, did a lot of work on the training ground. Um, and, you know, we got two victories um, straight after that. Um, I mean, what, again, you know, without breaching any confidentiality, I think, you know, at the end of the day, I've always tried to, uh, you know, be honest and transparent as a chairman. And there's, there's a lot of things that have been happening this season that the, the supporter space won't be, uh, you know, a, a aware of. And I've got to say, huge credit to Stevie. And, you know, the last 12 months uh, has been such a challenging period for him coming into his first role as manager. I mean, it's the, it's the most challenging period that any of us have had at the club. Uh, with a number of things that, that, that have been going on um, and things put in our way. Um, at the same time, we're trying to uh, you know, evolve to a, you know, a, a new squad. I mean, Drew, I, I know we can lament the refereeing decisions and we have had some really bad ones. And I agree with what Drew's saying about the Partick Thistle game. You thought, oh, for once, things might actually work in our favour because how many teams have done that to us over the, the last uh, few years? But uh, they, then we still get hit with a bad a bad decision right at the end of the, the game. But, you know, we've, we've um, had so many different things and we've had the highs of the, the, the Celtic game to the low of the Stranraer game. But I agree with what Drew's saying. There has been some really memorable games um, the, this season. And I, I, I look at um, the development in some of the players. I mean, before, there's, there's players who maybe came into the, the team and you didn't actually see them getting better. I mean, if you if you go through the team this season, starting the goals, Cammy's now got um, a dozen games under his belt, uh, more than he's done at any other stage. I know he's frustrated that he didn't get more. Aaron Comrie, his first season as a full-time uh, professional playing week in, week out, and he's getting better. Lewis Martin's played more games this season than he's um, done at any stage in his career, and, and he, he looks uh, better for it, and he's played in every single position across the back four. Um, I wonder if he could actually play in goals. You know, he seems to play any position that, that, that he can. Uh, Kyle Turner has come in from part-time football. His first full-time professional. I, I, I just love Kyle's attitude in terms of, you know, if, if he plays a misplaced pass, it doesn't phase him. He just gets on and uh, keeps battling away. Um, you know, another young player, Josh Edwards, has done well uh, when, when, he, when he's been in the team. Um, obviously, Kevin Nisbet, another young player who's only had one full season as a full-time professional, has come in. Um, and Kevin's been exceptional. I think everybody recognises that. Um, that's huge credit to Stevie in terms of his um, you know, uh, coaching. Um, I think, um, and I've said this to Kevin himself, I don't think Kevin realises how good a player he is. Um, but you can see him getting more belief. Um, and you know, I, you know, I'm not going to compare him against any other um, player. I'd say he's arguably the best player in our, our uh, division. 
Um, so there's, there's a lot, lot of, um, you know, uh, po positives. I mean, I'll just, you know, if, if you think, if you go through the, the, the lists of things that, you know, people might not be aware of, that, you know, obviously people are aware that we went a three and a half week period there where we didn't play a game, and then we had six games sandwiched into a two week period. And we actually had a, an outbreak of mumps within the, the playing squad. So we had to self-isolate way back in February for 10 days. So they didn't do any training, so that didn't help our preparation. Um, and then we had the unforeseen circumstances. We lost our complete medical team within a period of a week at the beginning of um, uh, February. So we didn't have any physios and we didn't have a sports scientist. So we've, we had to get six different people to step in to give us continuity up until the club was closed down recently. And I can't thank these uh, people uh, enough for the support that they gave the club through a really, really difficult period. Um, and then obviously we had the, um, the you know, the difficulties um, with, with Jackie falling ill as well um, during that period as well. And that, that caused a lot of disruption. I mean, Jackie um, is, is a fantastic resource for the club. He's great support for me, great support for Stevie. Uh, he's linked to so many players within um, the, the squad and the backroom staff. So we had to deal with that setback as well. So, and that, that was before coronavirus um, all hit us as well. So we've had a lot of things that we've had to deal with this season um, that other clubs wouldn't necessarily have to deal with. And that, as I keep saying, that's all credit to Stevie, uh, to, you know, to uh, what he had to put up with and had to deal with. And it wasn't easy during, during that spell. A dozen things there, Ross, on my list to talk about that you've covered. I don't know what to bring in next. Uh, just a word, though, the, the most serious issue there is Jackie. How, how is Jackie doing? Are you able to tell us? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, um, Stephen, I, th I think I was, I was criticised um, you know, amongst a, a section of people for not making any comment about Jackie, but I had to respect the privacy of his family. Um, it was a, a really difficult uh, situation for his family and um, a, a large number of uh, people that Jackie had played with before felt it was right to go to the media and make comments. I, I made absolutely no uh, comment about Jackie. Um, he's, he's recovering uh, well. He's had one or two setbacks. Um, I'm in contact with him and I just spoke to him at the weekend. Um, so he is, he is um, uh, on the way to making a full recovery, but he's still got a long way to go. I think it was just the it was just the shock of, of what happened. Um, I mean, I, I had literally spoken to Jackie on the Saturday morning. Um, he, again, he offered to do something for me to help me out. And then I was getting a call an hour and a half later to say that he had taken ill. So it, it just, it floored you um, when you, you, you see somebody as, as fit as he is, um, you know, uh, falling ill in the manner that he did. But to be fair to him, he's, he's been a hell of a fighter to, to actually get through what he's, what, what he's managed to get through and, the, and he, he fought all the way. And when you speak to him now, he says that he's, he's going to have to take time to rest. Obviously, Jack is one of the... Uh, his role at the club is one of the things that's a big talking point on the forums for fans. Can, can you or Drew uh, sort of clarify exactly what his role is and the help that he's been to both the board and the, the coaching staff? Yeah, um, I mean, Jack, Jackie's role is he's a te technical, uh, uh, he provides technical support to um, first and foremost me uh, and, the, and the rest of the board. Um, so he, he helps out with things like uh, planning in terms of transfers and budgets and uh, different things, uh, assessing 
physio, sports science, di different things, all the sort of football-related um, uh, things that um, sometimes the manager himself can get bogged down in. Um, and, you know, where, where necessary, is a good sounding board for Stevie or all the, uh, any of the coaches, um, and he provides mentoring to players and different things. So he, he's, he, his role is quite varied. Um, uh, it covers all these types of things. But what, what I would say, um, guys, is that he's, he's been a big loss um, to, to the club. I mean, the, everybody was shaken by what happened. Um, I mean, do, do knows you know, the, what happened the day that we had a, a board meeting, uh, which I won't go into, um, when we, we, we heard um, uh, a, a progress report on Jackie, the, the, there's a number of senior players who know him very, very well, and a lot of players were badly affected uh, by this. But you know, I'm, I'm pleased to report that he's, he's making good progress, which is the main thing. Here, here, glad to hear that. It's really good news. Hopefully, comes back uh, fighting. I'll bring you, Michael. I was just, I was just going to say, backtracking a wee bit when we're talking about the players that have all done well. Uh, one of the players I've been most impressed with this season is uh, our captain, Paul Payton. Uh, for such a young team, I think it's very important to have some experience around them. Uh, and anything he lacks in natural ability, he certainly makes up for in, in determination and will to win. I think the fans have really taken to him and been very impressed by him. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't accuse him of a lack of ability. Certainly not to his face. But uh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, in all seriousness, no. I, I think I think um, uh, Paul Payton looks a fantastic player uh, to me. He's uh, he's very solid in the middle. He can spray, spray a pass, though, as well, though. He's, I, I always feel he's got good vision. He's, he sports opportunities. So, um, no, I've, I've, I've been very pleased with, with Peyton. The, the next time I was going to bring uh, maybe Drew in for, uh, if, you, if you focus on fans' forums and things like that, like the, myself and Michael do, uh, fans can be a little bit trigger-happy. <laughs> uh, you know, a couple, of, a couple of losses and everyone should be sacked. A couple of wins were the best team in the league. Uh, as a board, how easy is it to just have a? Because you mentioned you were fans before. How easy is it to have a kind of more overarching view of that and 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 kind of realise it's a a marathon, not a sprint? Uh, I don't even know. There's a question in there, Drew, but I'm going to let you take what you want from that. Uh, no, I think I think you know Ross touched on it um, just now. You know when he's highlighting the the number of issues that um, that, that Stevie and the, the coaching staff have maybe had to. Uh, deal with uh, behind the scenes, and obviously, uh, when you're on the board, you're 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 aware of what's going on all the time. Um, so uh, you know you you kind of there are often justifications for 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 the way certain things pan out, and um, and obviously um, the, the supporters the supporters rock up at to East End on a on a Saturday, uh, and and they see they see the team for ninety minutes. And and that's that that's what they've got to make their judgment on. So, um, and 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 so they and so they will make, uh, make that judgment, and everybody's entitled to that. But when you know what's been, you know that, that, that there are you know things happening behind the scenes that have had an effect on on certain things. Then then you know um, when you're on the board and you're aware of these things, then uh, you can maybe make allowances for 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 certain things that happen. But uh, unfortunately. Um, not all of these things can be can be broadcast. Certainly not at, at a time. Um, so, uh, um, yeah, it's it, it, it is interesting to 
to to read the the um, the supporters' views, uh, and and most of the time, um, that there are mitigating circumstances for a lot of the criticism that comes their way. And as a, I think it is a vocal minority as well. I think most people understand what the club's trying to do. Uh, certainly, certainly, we've done podcasts with both Stevie and Greg, uh, and the one thing that. Uh, comes through is their, their work ethic and their passion for the club. I'm sure you'll agree, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I was with both of them. Uh, I was struck by how much this means to them. Because uh, I think it's easy to think of. Um, I think there's a there's a trap fans fall into where they where they always think that the players should love their club, and then at a certain point you start to realise no, players just go from club to club and they they, they play for them like a job. But, but not with those two. Those two seem absolutely passionate about the team. Um, about the club itself uh, and about the fans, um, and uh, I, I was I was kind of taken aback by quite how much they care about it. So it's uh, it's it's very encouraging. It was when Shields said to us about uh, basically he had nine years in Carolina and, and and dropped it and got a flight the next day to to come and join Stevie in the middle of a season. It was it was quite an eye opener. Yeah, it was remarkable um, that he was he was he was so keen just to to come straight back. It's um, it's good to know. I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure if I, if even I would have that commitment, Steve. But uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm no Greg Shields. I would never compare myself to the great man. I think you're on safe ground there, Michael. Uh, Ross, I was going to ask you about uh, the finances. Uh, we obviously we posted quite a big loss last year. Uh, we saw that we've taken steps to to cut costs. We started the season season ever so well with the the run in the Betfred Cup. Uh, I was wondering how, how, how much that helped the, the coffers and how much of a blow uh, on the flip side of things playing one round in the Scottish Cup and going out away to Stranraer was. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, in, in terms of the, uh, the projections that we put together at the start of the season, um, you know, we, I, I'd imagine, you know, notwithstanding the coronavirus uh, issues that we we were more or less on target to uh, finish the season where we anticipated uh, we, we would be. If it wasn't for the Stranraer um, defeat, we would have been in a, a, a stronger position because obviously uh, what happened with the League Cup and getting Celtic and and away from home that was a bonus ball that we hadn't forecasted, um, but the, that that was all uh, you know taken away by the fact that we went out to Stranraer in the, in the uh, the Scottish Cup. I mean, just again, there's, there's nothing secretive about it. Um, the the total amount that we made from the Scottish Cup, from the gate share with Sunrar and the prize money, was about eight thousand pounds. So that that gives you an idea of how big a hit um, going out of Sunrar was. Um, and yeah, that that was. I'll be honest. That was a difficult journey back up the road, um, and you know that that's what obviously the likes of Drew and I struggle with. And that we we know that you know, you're sitting watching games, and you know the implications of certain things happening on the day. So it's not just sitting there like a, a normal fan. Um, we we are all fans at the end of the day, but you, you know what's riding on a particular game, and it's it's difficult. But um, the the benefit of the Celtic game could um, obviously compensate us. For that, but um, no, we, 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 in terms of the finances, last year was a really, really difficult year. There's a lot of things that we've, we've, we've done, um, and yeah, you know, I'll, I'll admit it. There was there's some mistakes that we made last season as well uh, that we won't make again. 
Um, you know, we're, we're big enough to admit that. Um, but you know, we we we're on um, we're on target to be where we where we were uh, in terms of our forecast come the end of the season. At this moment in time, we just don't know what the impact will be of the, the current set of circumstances of the coronavirus, and that's where we've got we've got to manage that very very carefully over the next couple of months. Um, but all, all things being equal, you know the the, the, the club's in a, a, a reasonable position, um, but it could be it could be a lot better because we burnt through a lot of cash last year um, that, that we're not going to get back, uh, and that's where we've, we've got to be very very careful. Which brings me on nicely to this. Regarding the, the money situation, how helpful is it when our star striker waltzes through the Dundee defence live on TV and plants the ball in the top corner? Yeah, I mean, Ke- Kevin's obviously had a, a, a great season and obviously it's, it's um, well known that there's, there's, there's uh, been uh, quite a bit of interest in him. Um, again, uh, certain clubs think it's right to come out and make comment about our player and offers that they've put in and uh, things get leaked to the media. We, we've, we've never done, uh, done that. I think it's disrespectful when clubs start talking about um, our players uh, as though they've signed them when they haven't signed them. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that. to be, to be fair, I, I would probably say, and Lee Ashcroft's going to um, kill me for saying this, I'm sure, but I, st- I think that's the goal of the season, isn't it, Kevin, go against Dundee? Um, and I think coming off the back of that five-game run that I talked about, going into that game after such a long gap, um, I think it was two or three weeks where we didn't play a game, that, you know, that that, 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 that just meant a lot on the day. Uh, and as you say, the cameras were there. And I'm sure any clubs who might think, um, is Kevin just a goal scorer? I think that demonstrated that night that he's not just a goal scorer, he's a very, very talented football player in terms of how he, he crafted and scored that goal. Can I just uh, add add something um, about that as well? I've, I've, I mean, from, from a fan's point of view, I thought um, that the goal was fantastic. Um, he created himself... Uh, absolutely, but I thought the what, what was what was really significant on the night for me was was the goal celebration that night, um, where the the whole squad ran towards the the bench, um, uh, all the coaching staff were involved, and and I think there was a I think there was a real display of unity there, which was uh, which was great to see. I I, I loved that. Totally agree, Drew. Uh, totally agree. What, what I was going to ask was, and I don't know if you can divulge it or not. I'm sure you'll tell me otherwise if you can't. Was there a, a bona fide offer for Kevin Nisbet? I'm not asking for clubs or, or, or money or anything like that, but was there a legitimate offer tabled? Because you hear so much speculation, especially right at the end of the transfer window. You never know what's true and what's not. Yeah, there was a number of uh, written offers received for Kevin, yeah. And there was a number of other inquiries. Um, but I, listen, I had been on record from the beginning of uh, January to say Kevin wasn't for sale. Um, but it didn't stop. Um, clubs, you know, um, coming in and putting in offers, even when I told them they were wasting their time. Um, and a lot, a lot of clubs took the approach that, uh, the, you know, by phoning me, finding out what the situation was, that they would be wasting their time. So they didn't. But a number of clubs uh, thought that they, they, they might try um, and dangle a carrot, but it, it wasn't something that we were looking to do. And maybe also an unfair question, but how easy is it to? position that with a player. Let's say for argument's sake, a neutral might argue that it was a, a step up, any clubs making an offer for him. How easy is it to kind of keep the player happy and just say, listen, it's something we can't look at in the middle of a season, but might be something we can look at, you know, between seasons? 
Yeah, I, I had um, expressly spoken to Kevin and his, his agent at the beginning of uh, January and, and, you know, said that under no circumstances we, we would be, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, allowing him to leave because he's just too valuable a player. Um, so they, they, they knew that. Obviously, you know, Ke Kevin's a young, uh, a young man. Uh, I genuinely believe that he, he's a good player and I think he's now starting to uh, believe himself. Uh, you know, that the, he's a good player, um, you know, at, at some stage in the future, if, if, if you look um, fellow athletic, you'll go with the very best of wishes. But yeah, for, for any player, it's a distraction. Um, but you, you, you just got, he has to uh, um, understand that, um, you know, that he's, he's contracted uh, to Dunfermline and, you know, it's, and until such times as we, uh, we receive an offer that we think is, um, um, equitable um, and allows us to um, you know, make alternative arrangements in terms of bringing in other players and things like that because two hours before a transfer window closes does not give you enough time to bring in other players. So there's a lot of different variables. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's about um, how, how you deal with that type of situation. Um, Stevie um, spoke to Kevin, I spoke to Kevin um, and uh, he, he was very good about it. Glad to hear it. Uh, I'll bring Michael Andrew in here. Just any other uh, comments that you may have from the season so far? Well, I, I think I think the only thing, just from a personal point of view, just finally, I know we've already touched it, but I'm just going to say it again, finally being Dundee United. Uh, I, 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 looked, I couldn't believe how long it had been. Um, and then it was just, uh, it was fantastic to beat them. It was so, so enjoyable. So, um, yeah, and we might not play them again for quite a long time for for various reasons, so uh, it's uh, it's good to get that one off our shoulders. Uh, from from my point, just because it sprung into my head, the the thing that was thoroughly undone, Fairman like was the way we beat Dundee two 0 on the Friday night. Uh, you were kind of just waiting for it to come back and make it two one. It'd be a really really nervous end to the game, and I thought we saw the game out, you know, pretty comfortably. You're always, as a fan, very nervous that something bad's going to happen. But I think if you were a neutral watching that game, you'd be pretty impressed how professional the boys were, especially with such a young team, uh, at seeing the game through with, without too much cause for alarm. And just just on that, Stephen, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I, I, I know the work that went on the training field um, off the back of five straight defeats uh, going into that Dundee game in terms of working on shape and uh, the system and players, what, what, what they needed to do, because there were certain things that they needed to do to get us out of the rut that we were in at that moment in time. And Drew knows the discussion that we had um, during the game. It's, it's great to see all that come into fruition in the manner that it, that, that it did. So it's interesting that you picked up on that. Not much gets past me, Ross. <laughs> uh, but, but I was... <laughs> yeah, unless we're playing five at stage, Steve, in which case, you know. <laughs> uh, I think anyone that knows me knows is the ridiculousness of that comment. Uh, this is fairly. This is to, to lighten it up in these troubled times. Uh, the first thing I was just going to cover was uh, what you reckon the best goal of the season has been. Uh, I had two written down, and I confess I've completely forgotten Lee Ashcroft's goal. Uh, so I'll leave that for someone else. One I'm going to go for. Uh, just because it's completely different from what I think anyone else would say. Uh, Albion Rovers, we beat them 6-0 at the start of the season. There's a, there's a Manchester City-esque goal finished off by Aaron Comrie, which is an absolute joy, and I was watching it earlier today, and it, it always kind of stuck in my head that you could kind of see what the, the guys were trying to do on the training ground. So that would be, uh, that would be my nomination. 
what would you go for, Michael? I think in terms of just simply what it meant to me, uh, Nisbet against Dundee United recently. Um, also, that's partly because that's when I can actually remember. It seems such a long time, but no, just just watching that, watching that ball float into the net. Oh man, glorious, glorious! You've, you've of course, have done all your research, though, Michael, and watched every highlight from every game this season before oh, the podcast. Obviously, obviously, yes. Drew, what do you think? I, I don't think you can argue with the Lee Ashcroft strike. I think in the in the context of the of the game, I don't think we had a particularly good record uh, at the time of coming back from from you know, a, a losing position and, and, and getting something out of the game. Um, so, uh, and the technique for a, a, a centre-half, a Scottish centre-half, uh, you might see technique like that from a Dutch centre-half, but um, but uh, no, it's, uh, it's got to be Lee Ashcroft for me all day long. Did you see the Stevie Mill interview they did after their game? <laughs> yes, I did. I'm all right. They spent seven minutes talking about <laughs> never mentioned, <laughs> never mentioned it. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was really really good. Uh, Ross, what about yourself? What's the best or your favourite goal of the season today? Um, well, I think I, I've already answered that question earlier. When I said I think yeah, Kevin's goal against uh, Dundee. Um, Lee, Lee's was a great goal uh, as, as well but um, I just think uh, Kevin's goal against Dundee uh, in the, the second game at East End Park is um, probably my goal of the season and then I'm just thinking off the top of my head as you said that Dom Thomas's goal against Inverness was a great strike as well so there's, there's, there's quite a few isn't there? An absolute cracker that Dom Thomas goal I was thinking about that before the pod I hadn't written it down uh, even the reserves this is how niche I'm going to go Reserves got an absolute cracker up at Ross County that they posted on social media. Beautiful passing move. Uh, all, all this talk obviously has just been preamble to the, the main event, uh, the, the homework I've set you all before. Then this was sent from my brother, so I'll give a shout out to my brother. Uh, he's a Liverpool fan, so it's a bit easier for him. But uh, it's basically pick your all-time pars eleven. Sounds simple enough, but you're only allowed one uh, player from each nationality. So, I, so, you can only have one Scotsman, one Englishman, one Irishman. Uh, so, it takes a wee bit of thought, this. Michael, seeing you're in front of me, we'll go with your 11. My 11. We'll go with your 11. Or, or will we do... Well, what's your formation? Let's go with your formation. Uh, I've gone 4-3-3. Four, 4-3-3, three, three. Four, three, three, okay. Yeah. Who's your keeper? Chris Mampai of Belgium. Are you are joking me? Is that what you come for? I, I thought I was an absolute genius there by picking Chris Mampai. <laughs> I, I thought nobody will have that. My document I've saved is even called Chris Mampai for that reason. Because <laughs> right. it was the first words. You know you're doing your 11 at the back there. I'm bringing Drew in. Drew, who's your goalkeeper? Well, um, that, that already posed a problem for me because um, we've had so many good Dutch players and I wasn't sure whether I should use my Dutchman in goals or or not, but anyway, I decided I would stick with Marco Rutenbeek uh, for my goalie. Going to be controversial here. He's not even the best Dutch goalkeeper we've had. <laughs> <laughs> in your humble opinion, I did think about I did think about the other Dutch goalie we had, but my mind, my memory went back to Inverness, <laughs> uh, and and I uh, the pain came flooding back, and I could no longer choose that particular Dutch goalie. <laughs> yeah. I'm changing tack now who's your goalkeeper Ross we'll do all the keepers first um, I, I would go with Mar- uh, Marco Rutenbeek um, 
I'm going to have to do this on the hoof, actually, Stephen, if I'm being honest with you, because I, I misread your your, uh, your preamble. So I'm now trying to work out, because uh, you've just blown my team apart here. Um, oh, right. I had a 3-5-2 formation all settled. So um, you need to give me a wee bit of thinking time. So Tell please go then. to Michael and Drew first for the, the next one. talk amongst themselves, aye. So you're not allowed any duplication of nationality. I'll come back to you, Michael. Yeah, yeah. I understand that now. <laughs> Who's your Scotsman, Michael? Uh, who says I picked a Scotsman? Well, I was I was assuming that might be that might be. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Uh, my 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 Scotsman. This was a tough one because a, a fair few good choices. Um, I thought it was quite easy. I went for probably the most gifted Scotsman I've seen uh, at East Tim Park was Craig Brewster. We have the same team, aren't we, mate? I've got Craig Brewster as well. <laughs> I'm clearly on a different wavelength. <laughs> Who have you gone for, Drew? My my Scotsman is uh, is a record transfer sale, Jackie McNamara. Whoa, difficult to argue with that. Unless you've got Brewster, of course. <laughs> I, and I I would go for Norrie McCarthy. I nearly went for Norrie. I was nearly there with Norrie. The, 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 the problem Norrie has getting in the team is when you look at some of the foreign players we've got, you've got to filter in. A lot of them are centre-backs. So give us your back four then, Michael. OK, I'm not, I'm not sure this would actually work as a back four, but it's four defenders anyway. So uh, I've got Callum Woods of England. I, I almost picked Callum Woods. I've not got him, but uh, it's a good shout. Um, the very obvious choice of Andreas Skerla from Lithuania. Um, Saul Bamba from the Ivory Coast. And yeah. uh, Jean Yves and Voto, France. Shoot, <laughs> <laughs> Michael. Are we doing that again? No, no, no. I've not, I've not got a Voto. Hey, Drew, Drew, who's your back for? Um, well, I've already given you my right back. Yeah, Jack. Um, yeah, so uh, um, my centre backs would be uh, similar to, um, well, not similar, the same, Michael, in the uh, Scala and Bamba. Um, and my left back is. Uh, uh, Irishman uh, Richie Byrne. Very good. I've got a back five, so it's our three-five-two. I've got wing backs. So right wing back is Ivo Denbeman. Left wing back is David Grondan, and I have a centre back three of Saul Bamba, Andreas Skerla, and Yusuf Rossi, which means there's no room for Faisal El Bakhtui. Controversial choice there with Yusuf Rossi, if you don't mind me saying. I'm, I'm going on. Uh, I'm going on ability, and and uh, as you may know, uh, I ended up writing into the Valley Book, and, and Yusuf Rossi was part of my life for about six months because uh, I'd forgotten exactly all about the saga, and in fact, I was out of the country for a year of it, and every so often he just get popping up in Dunfermline Press articles about where he was and what he was up to. So I have a special place in my heart for the, the big Moroccan. Mike, <laughs> uh, who's your midfield three? Midfield three, I've got Evo in there. Um, I know he's more of a more of a, a winger than a, than a central midfielder, but I was struggling with midfielders. You can play Evo wherever. Exactly, it's Evo. Um, uh, David Moss of Wales. I was really struggling to think of midfielders, I have to say. Well, <laughs> Unbelievably, apparently he's Welsh. I think he's a bit Welsh as I am, no? Well, you know, it, it's he was registered on whatever website it was I was looking this up on. 
Uh, I'm going to back Michael up on that. Nice, thank you. And um, uh, of course, uh, our, our Magyar magician, Esfan Cosma from Hungary. I almost forgot Cosma, but I've got him in. You can actually, if you go on soccer base, and we've brought this up to him before, Tom Beedling's registered as Australian. I consider picking Tom, actually. But uh, he, he denied all. He denied that this was the case, so I, I figured we'd better not put him in for that. Uh, Drew, who's your? What do you say? You got a midfield three as well? No, I've got a midfield four. Right, I've gone for a four-four-two. Okay. Um, so my, I, I've got uh, my wide players are um, uh, Freddie Daka from France. I did, I, I did think of him, but right, um, okay. I can understand why. Um, my other wide player is uh, the Englishman Joe Cardo. I I have a, a holding midfielder, the Welshman, that is David Moss. And uh, we, we both can't be wrong, Michael and I, he, he clearly is Welsh. <laughs> I was um, certain he was English. And, uh, and, and my playmaker is uh, my all-time favourite Dunfermline player, Istvan Cosma. Very good. Well, even if I knew David Moss was Welsh, he still wouldn't have got on my team. <laughs> Uh, my, my team plan on playing the ball on the floor so it maybe wasn't Big Dave's strong point uh, <laughs> you needed an enforcer uh, I have a very I have a, I have a hard working uh, centre midfielder to uh, prop up the two magicians around him from the Republic of Ireland I've got Gary Dempsey uh, all round good guy and uh, held down a place in the best Dunfermline team I've ever seen. Uh, Istvan Cosma, don't think it needs any explanation. And the one that is going to divide opinion, my Englishman is Lee Makel. Oh, interesting. He was a fantastic passer of the ball. I thought he was a bright light in a, a, a very struggling team. I would agree with that. I thought he was a good player. Until he got sent off against, was it Airdrie? He got sent Aye. Aye. Uh, no, I thought he was a cracking player, it was Michael. Uh, and we'll go to the your front three then, Michael. Okay, well, I've already given you um, Brewster, of course. Um, either side of... We can consider Craig Brewster the border, because uh, we've got Andy Kirk from Northern Ireland on one side and Noel Hunt from Ireland on the other. Yeah, Hunt almost made my team. Uh, okay, Drew, who's your front two? Well, I don't know if you saw... On Pars TV the other day there, but uh, Fizzle held back to his performance in the 2015-16 season. Uh, that's enough to get in any Dunfermline team for me. And his strike partner would be uh, Andy Kirk, same as Michael. Very good. Uh, my front two would be uh, Craig Brewster, as already mentioned. And he is perhaps controversially partnered by the finest Northern Irish player to play for Dunfermline in, in my lifetime, with no disrespect to Jimmy Nicholl, is, of course, Georgia Boyle. Oh, you do like to be controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Rossi and Cotton Boyle, fantastic. Yeah, I'll be honest, Stephen, I had, um, I've, just, I've just jotted down my uh, team, as I said, uh, and Georgia Boyle would be in it. Um, I start with 3-5-2, so Skerla, Bamba and McCarthy, as I said earlier. Uh, Colin Miller, right back. Uh, Grondon, uh, left, uh, sorry, left wing back. Then Beeman, Cosma and Mark Williams. Uh, remember Mark Williams? 
Any you remember, Mark Williams? Before our time. Welshman. He played two games. No. Yeah. Uh, he was a legend for two games. Anybody <laughs> of my generation will, will realise that. You guys are too young uh, to rem remember that. Um, Thanks, and another guy uh, from when I first first started supporting Dunfermline was Mike Leonard. So up front, um, um, Mike Leonard, who um, uh, was from the Republic Island, and George O'Boyle from Northern Ireland. I didn't know that Mike Leonard was Irish. I thought he was uh, Scottish, but I've never never looked into it in great detail. David Moss is Welsh, apparently. So, yeah, so I hear. <laughs> there you go. That'll be that'll be me stuck up from doing this again for nothing on that. Colin Miller's a really good shout, Ross. Mm. Canadian. I, I wish I'd I wish I'd thought of that. I might have. Oh, how, how can you argue with them being Right. Yeah. To, to be fair, I wasn't necessarily thinking that he was the best uh, right wing back we've ever we've ever seen, but it was a bizarre one being Canadian, so it gets into my team on that basis. Absolutely. Uh, I was thinking what we might do if if, if you want to uh, if you want to send the teams to either me or Michael, we'll put them up on the Pars forum and we'll see if we can get discussion for it, and we can maybe report back in the the next podcast we do. Uh, I'm conscious of the time though, uh, and we've covered uh, covered a lot. Uh, Ross, I think I'll like, uh, just have the last word to you. Uh, all I was wanting to say is, if, if you can just reiterate that, uh, you know, that the, the club does have a, a plan to navigate ourselves through this, and we've we got reason to be positive. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, in, in situations like this, um, as, as we've seen seven years ago, um, you know, we, we are a great uh, community club. Uh, everybody gets together, and we're at our strongest when we all pull together. Um, and that's what we need to do at the moment. All the different things that are happening, be it internally at the club, the things that the board are, are working on with the staff or externally with the, the fan base, uh, do what they can to help us out. Um, you know, if we all stick together, we'll, we'll get through this. But, you know, the, as I said, it isn't just the football side. Um, it's about our, our community and making sure that everybody stays safe and we look out for each other um, and, um, you know, we... We, we look after the most vulnerable people uh, in our community at the moment who need help uh, when the need arises. Um, but you know, we 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 know what we need to do uh, as uh, as a board to uh, navigate the club for, um, uh, through this and t take us forward. And if we can get through this, I'm 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 positive that we you know we we can reap the benefits of it. There's a lot of things that we're doing um, behind the scenes uh, as a club. Um, and, and different things um, and I can't comment on uh, at the moment and it, it would really it would really help us uh, going forward but obviously that's all on hold at the moment with, with the, the, everything that's happening with the, the virus so we've got a lot to look forward to I'm not downplaying how challenging it is going to be over the next few months but you know we, we can we can approach the future with great optimism but we've as i say we've just got to see ourselves uh, through the really di difficult set of circumstances that we've got at this moment in time okay ross thanks very much for that and on behalf of myself and all the fans thanks very much for your time today yeah thanks ross thanks very much andrew no worries enjoyed it thank you guys all the best thanks guys thanks for joining us just leaves me to say until next time on the pars on the pars